thank you for joining us today on Ravens at the Crossroad. My name is Tyler Matthews. And I'm Mistress Prime. Today we have Raven Digitalis. He is an author of several wonderful books, uh, The Everyday Empath, Esoteric Empathy, Planetary Spells and Rituals, Practicing Dark and Light Magic Aligned with the Cosmic Bodies, Shadow Magic Compendium, Exploring Darker Aspects of Magic Spirituality, and Gothcraft, The Magical Side of Dark Culture. Welcome, Raven. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's good to be here. We're glad you can make time for us today. Got a chance to speak with you a little bit uh, before Mr. Prime got here. And uh, I did a little background search before we actually had the interview today. Oh, and, you did a background uh, check? What'd you oh, find? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the usual stuff. Um, you mentioned that you were uh, ready to do video today, which I, I feel very honored for, but we don't do video just for various reasons. Uh, that's okay. Um, no worries. I, <clears throat> I guess I'll have to go into town now that I'm all dressed up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, as mm. the author of Everyday Empath, can you kind of give us some highlights on who should be reading that book? So the Everyday Empath, which just came out, is a book for everybody who is spiritual, basically. Okay. So it's my first book that's not in the pagan, Wiccan, or occult niche. So nice. there's no there's no uh, witchcraft in it. Well, I mean there is, but you know it's not <laughs> it's not overt. Right. Uh, um, so I actually worked with a different. Uh, branch of Llewellyn for the first time, kind of the new age self-help branch rather than the occult and metaphysical branch. Okay. Um, so I, I didn't even get to work with any of my usual suspects like my um, editors, Alicia and Andrea, <clears throat> or my um, art department designers, uh, Kevin and Donna. And I just love and adore them and I really wanted to work with them but couldn't do it for this book because it's in a different department. So The Everyday Empath it's, is not so much of a follow-up to Esoteric Empathy, but mm. I would say they're actually kind of like in reverse order because Everyday Empath is kind of a primer for those who wish to go deeper into the magical kind of aspects of empathy in Esoteric Empathy, which is about twice the size. And to be honest, that's where my heart is. That's my the song of my heart is the Esoteric Empathy book. Um, whereas the Everyday Empath is like a bridge. So I was guided to write kind of a bridge book um, where anybody okay. could approach it. And then, you know, that can be a springboard into uh, deeper levels of self-awareness and other spiritual paths. So, of course, you know, in the text, when I'm talking about empathy, I, I'll also mention uh, different spiritual and magical paths even briefly within the pages just planting little seeds for people that might be just kind of getting their feet wet into the metaphysical world okay um, so there's been a little bit of uh some of my i don't like the term fans but some of my readers have been like this is not an occult book why are you why'd you write this <laughs> and i'm like well trust me it serves its purpose and it's not just for money because you don't really get that much from them um but it's 
just like every book, it's to help people. And this is to help a certain kind of group of people. It's also my first book that has gotten to be translated into Spanish and audiobook, which is super exciting to have that happen with that one, which the esoteric empathy didn't get probably because it is more niche for witches and pagans and occultists. Yeah, that's, that's really something when uh, your book gets translated into other languages in an audiobook. That's, that's pretty impressive, actually. Yeah, thanks. They didn't even tell me. I just found out from other people. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It was awesome that you found out. It would have been, been cool if they had uh, told you ahead of time. Yeah, it's one, one of those things. But uh, yeah, it was a nice surprise, that's for sure. So for those that aren't familiar, tell us a little bit about how you because you have a very interesting spiritual path. How did you come to your particular path? Um, so when I was in high school, um, I'm 36 now. And when I was uh, 16, 20 years ago, geez. Yeah, um, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot for aging petrified wood. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I was in high school and that was about the time that the movie The Craft came out and Practical Magic and Charmed. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so those were, um, and all of those used bits of real witchcraft stuff in them alongside the fantastical. Um, so, you know, that was scattered throughout those programs. And um, I had met some friends at that point in my life who were into Wicca and so just started practicing and it felt right. And uh, I was aligned with those Celtic Felt, felt an alignment, kinship with those Celtic deities and also the empowerment that, that the craft could bring. Um, and I learned a little bit about Asatru also, but heathen, heathenry is not my path, even though I'm totally 100% genetically um, Scandinavian, Norse, Pennsylvania, Deutsch. Uh, for some reason, I don't vibe at all with that path. Um, mm. But I did learn about that and Wicca both. Um, from my first priestess, Zanoni Silverknife. And uh, it was a great blessing that she was in uh, my town, Missoula, Montana at that time. And she's since moved back, which is neat. Um, cool. But she's the co-founder of the Georgian tradition of Wicca, um, which began in uh, California. So she's the founding priestess and it's based in British traditional and 1734 uh, Cochrane tradition and a few other things. Mm -hmm. um, some Native American influence. It's a really cool tradition, Georgian trad. Um, so that was my first exposure to the craft. And I took lessons at um, Valan Valdison's store. She's one of our honorary elders and board members here at our temple uh, when she owned a metaphysical shop there. So um, luckily I had my parents' blessings with that. They were very supportive. They were like, well, as long as you're not doing dope and, you know, studying, and I was doing dope, but... <laughs> But I, I'm just just weed and mushrooms and uh, the natural <laughs> stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, which actually helped a lot in that development, I think. Um, so that's how I first came into it, and then in <clears throat> after high school in 2001, I met my uh, priestess Esther McNaven, and she and I. Um, felt an instant connection and we uh, started a temple multicultural pagan temple here in Missoula and so that's that's been going on until now in 2019 and almost 2020 oh yeah yep. and, uh, yeah 
So yeah, so we've just been doing that and there's a wonderful community here and we are also extremely inspired by Hinduism. And so we practice traditional um, Hindu ceremonies and um, if, if we also practice some voodoo ceremonies. Uh, whenever we practice certain cultural rituals, we do, we do it to our best ability, get advised by elders. We don't blend traditions. Okay. Um, you know, so there's kind of a place for everyone here mm. is what we're all about. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you mentioned that uh, you have a temple there a couple times. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about the OAO? <clears throat> yeah. Um, OAO stands for Opus Ima Obscuri, which means work of the great primordial mother. And so, like I said, we uh, have lots of different ceremonies that are uh, based in numerous different cultures, cultural traditions, and then also old world skill crafting courses. Uh, my priestess does uh, lectures on uh, campus at the University of Montana also. And then we have a little garden and farm, lots of chickens. We've had a pig before and raised turkeys before, want to do bees. Um, so, but it's really cold up here in Montana yeah. too. So that's yeah. kind of one of the complications. And um, then financial support, a lot of it depends on the financial support that we're able to get from members or people who believe in the work um so it's kind of changes year by year sometimes we'll have more ceremonies other years have less ceremonies um but there tends to be a steady flow of folks and then we do private counsel counseling spiritual counseling and readings and um energy work for people also okay and of course we're both writers and <laughs> get that work out that way nice so what are your plans for the coming year? Will you be doing a book tour? Are you uh, hitting up certain events to give any more presentations? So when Esoteric Empathy came out a um, little over two years ago, <clears throat> I did my um, book tour in uh, uh, SoCal, went to San Diego and LA and uh, also some spots in Montana. So kind of got that out of my system it was really fun and before that with the advance that i got from esoteric empathy a couple years ago um my priestess and i went to Kauai, the island of Kauai in hawaii nice and visited the uh Kauai hindu monastery there where they have about 25 cloistered monks who um are totally dedicated to that uh, 4,000 year old tradition of Shaivism, worship of Shiva, Shiva and Shakti. Mm -hmm. um, so we got to befriend the monks there and <clears throat> see the island and feel its magic. Um, I'll come back to that in a sec. Um, I actually just got back from a book tour for the Everyday Empath. Uh, I chose to go to the south this time for the first time. Nice. So I went to Austin, Texas, Savannah, Georgia, and Asheville, North Carolina, all for the first time. And it was really great. Um, had a special friend, and he met me there uh, in Asheville, and took me, or in Savannah, and took me to Asheville. And then I saw old friends and made new friends all along the way. And saw my cousin in Austin, and had really good book signings and tarot uh, slam sessions. Nice. And so that was really fun little whirlwind tour. Um, but as for the next year, I've been being guided to go back to Kauai for some personal healing. Uh, my spirit 
lately has been in need of some solitude. Um, normally I'm very social and going all over and um, co-hosting rituals and um, going to parties and events and all these things. But at this point, after a couple of uh, difficult years emotionally, my spirit just wants to um, take some solitude. So I'm making plans to relocate to Kauai, um, probably temporarily. And I do have job offers there already and some oh. potential housing stuff. So fingers are crossed big time for yeah. that to all align. It would be my first time leaving the, my city of in Montana too. Wow. Mm. Yeah, it's also going to be um, a bit of a weather change, an adjustment. Yes. Yeah. So that sounds awesome. Yeah, thanks. The most uh, difficult part is leaving the cats, but I know they'll all be safe here with my priestess and with the community here. Um, but, you know, it'll all work out okay. You can always FaceTime with them. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can sure try. They'll be like, oh, him. Yeah, trying to herd cats. I, I know how that works. <laughs> yeah. Do you think they can see you through the FaceTime and understand that you're there? I don't know. At the know. very least, they can hear your voice and recognize that. Yeah. Yeah. Whether or not they recognize your face or not, I, I don't know because I haven't actually tried it. But I think I did actually, I did a video and then I showed it to the cat and they were like, hey, wait a minute. I'm completely confused. Well, oh. that there's been those videos where uh, people are using the anamorph thing where they look oh, yeah, like, like cats. Oh yeah, like on Snapchat or something yeah. where they put the filter on and they look like a cat, yeah. That's, uh, that's freaked them out a little bit, but. That's funny. Those are terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> How good they're getting is definitely a little creepy. Uh, right. So you also are a Freemason, uh, yep. according to my notes here. Yes, uh, how does that tie into some of your other beliefs? Um, masonry is great because it's, uh, um, an ancient brotherhood of, um, becoming a better person, a better man mm -hmm. in the case of masonry. Um, of course, there's many different branches and organizations that include all genders. Um, traditionally it's just men. Mm -hmm. Um, so the teachings, although they're often based, um, in biblical teachings, they off they also go into the occult realm, although most masons wouldn't say that because most masons are christian yeah but um there's a lot of uh you know fraternal occult stuff there which of course influenced the golden dawn influenced wicca and influenced mm -hmm. the lema and everything um and so yeah it just has really good uh ethical and um moral values of how to be an upright person and i love the uh the charitableness of the organization of course there's all the illuminati conspiracies and things which are pretty silly um, right because if a person does accurate historical research they'll understand that the illuminati were actually just a bavarian german um group of college frat boys <laughs> right <laughs> were right. interested in masonry and then yeah, you know, how mythos forms. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, you say one thing, and then 100 years later, it's completely something different. Uh, it, yeah. The reason why it stuck out to me uh, is I actually have uh, Freemason, like, my grandparents, or great-grandparents, excuse me, uh, 
my great grandfathers were Freemasons and I didn't learn about this until my mom sent me some of the belongings and all of a sudden it's like, wait, this is a Freemasons book. This is, this yeah. is one of their, like, did she not know what they were? She did, but she didn't tell me. I'm not good. Okay. All right. I'm not surprised. But yeah. Okay. She didn't tell me that she, she sent me this stuff. And I'm just like, wait, what? And then as I start my path, uh, because I'm relatively, well, not relatively, I'm new to this path. It was like, wait a second. This is very similar. <laughs> so it, it was interesting to me that you had that on your list of uh, things that you claim to, uh, mm -hmm. along with everything else, a uh, professional tarot reader, a DJ. Yeah, I was going to get to that. I'm like, but he's also right. a <laughs> DJ, which is pretty cool. Oh, thanks. Yeah, so I, um, <clears throat> uh, if I do live DJing, it's either queer party or goth party. Mm. Um, and if I do the radio, well, I had a radio show for 18 years, did the gothic industrial show. So that was really fun. Those were the main avenues for that expression. I don't know if you knew, but I was also a goth radio DJ for two years. Ooh, wonderful. Yeah. On an FM awesome. station. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, the only DJ experience I really had was at some local parties and then in Second Life. Shows you how much of a nerd I am. <laughs> when, when is it you think you're going to be heading out to Kauai? Um, hopefully within a few months. Nice. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I, I work at a group home also with developmentally disabled folks full-time. Um, and so I have been there for 12 years and uh, I connected with some more similar organizations in Kauai so that looks like it's good to oh, go on that front. Oh that's what you're saying okay so you were saying that you yeah. might might have a job opportunity mm -hmm. well that'd be great yeah yeah time to work on the self and heal up a little bit I was going to say, after the year that most of us had for 2019, I think 2020 is going to be the year where a lot of us We're kind of focus kind of like, internally and yeah. try mm -hmm. to fix it. This has been a rough year, mm -hmm. just like personally for me. It's been a really rough year, but um, that's so cool. Yeah, and 2020 has a good ring to it, good, you know, solid numerology. So. Yes. Right, exactly. And... As somebody else who was born in the 80s, it's like, oh boy, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm very close to 40. <laughs> Need to get uh, my stuff okay. in. Okay, hush your mouth. <laughs> in well, one you know. month, I turned 50. Hush your mouth. <laughs> Congrats. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I actually survived thus far. So mm -hmm. far. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so I want to know personal things. Okay. So who is some of your favorite musical artists? Tori Amos is my number one, and she will forever be my empathic muse. Um, I think her music is uh, profound, so deep and uh, symbolic and channeled, and every record is a little different. Um, so she's my number one. Um, I grew up with Smashing Pumpkins. That they changed my life, no doubt about that. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, then I'm friends with uh, Support Eternus, who's an underground um, Gothic artist um, 
who does some very extreme eccentric art um, in Germany. Um, so I like their music quite a lot. And, um, you know, just old new wave and uh, I like a lot of side chill music. Um, um, big fan of progressive trance. So that's my main kind of genres. Music is so powerful. Couldn't, couldn't imagine life without music. Had a good memory of going with my dad at about 17 years old when he had no idea how to connect with me because I was so different. Um, driving to Spokane, Washington with him to, twice to see Sarah Brightman and then Fleetwood Mac. So oh, wow. I, looking back, I'm like, oh, that was him making an attempt to find some kind of common ground with my weird ass. So <laughs> <laughs> that was good memory first first concerts and my first concert ever was um 311 and uh incubus um nice got to see marilyn manson and hole in their prime in about 2000 um nine inch nails a couple times but tori amos like four times number one very cool so how do your how do your how does your how do your parents feel about your successful career <clears throat> oh they love it yeah very supportive and um just all good vibes about that that's great. always good vibes yeah so and they my dad owns a flooring business a small flooring company and accumulates frequent flyer miles so that's uh they support by helping me go on little book tours like that through the oh, flyer miles. That's very cool. Yeah, so very blessed in that department. So I feel like supportive family helps create kind of an echo, a ripple effect to um, have good influence on others in their lives. So sometimes it's easy to forget how powerful our words and actions are, but they mm -hmm. all echo out. That's crazy. No, that's, that's awesome because not everybody has that support of yeah. their parents. So that's, that's great to hear that you've had that fortunate uh, circumstance to mm -hmm. be able to do that and have them be able to support you in doing your book tours. Yeah. I always say that if it wasn't for my parents, my priestess and psychedelic mushrooms, I wouldn't be, have been doing any of this. So okay, very, very thankful. Yeah. Who are your biggest influencers? In what department? <laughs> in your path. Um, well, like a lot of witches, I began with Silver Ravenwolf and kind of, uh, you know, she was my start. And I've told her that and I've given her gratitude for that. And, and of course, after exploring her material as a teenager, uh, moved on to <clears throat> some more traditional writers, um, you know, um, from Juan Milo to Raymond Buckland and um, Raven Gramassi and all those guys. Have you had a chance um, to meet all I of your author heroes? Yeah, a lot of them. It's, it was amazing. Um, <clears throat> and actually before uh, Ray Buckland passed away, um, I, offered, I asked if he could give me a quote for my esoteric empathy book. And I think it was the last one of the last if not the last endorsement quotes that he gave and now it's on the cover of that book and i'm so thankful for that um so that was a <clears throat> really positive thing 
that happened with someone who I admired throughout my craft career. Um, and these days I like to follow a lot of gurus, um, like Sat Guru, I've been listening and watching his videos quite a bit, S-A-D-H-G-U-R-U. And of course he's Indian, but he doesn't have any specific tradition. It's very psychological and based on inner work. Okay. Um, and then I follow the a lot of the teachings of uh, Satguru Shivaya Shubramunia Swami, who's called Guru Deva, um, and he is the one who began the Kauai Hindu monastery. Mm. Um, and yeah, so doing a lot of yoga, paths of yoga, and um, finding many teachers that way. But I think my kitty cats are my greatest teachers, though. They do teach us a lot. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes it's make sure you cover the food before you walk out of the room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't leave your glass of water just sitting there. Um, I've yeah. learned that one don't a few times. Cucumber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mine stole a cucumber on the floor. Mine stole a fresh green bean while I was uh, while I was cleaning them. <laughs> And then ran off to uh, their siblings where the three of them stood around it. Like, what is it? And they were batting it around between the three of them. It was so cute. <laughs> yeah, my cat Uba actually catches bats sometimes. Aww. Wow. Like, <laughs> very impressive. Yeah. Our, my... And of course, you know, we, we just dry them and use right. their wings as bookmarks and make them into art <laughs> like proper witches. <laughs> Yeah, my cats uh, are pretty self-sufficient until they decide that they need some attention, and then they go up and demand it. They're they're lazy cats. No, that, that's just called being a cat. I, I don't know if that's well, any different than these. Yeah, these are my first cats. That's true. So. That's your house cat. <laughs> yeah, it's not safe to leave them loose out here. No, 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 no. Like got... even though we're in cities. There's coyotes everywhere. Well, and then that one night I was driving home, I saw the uh, mountain lion cub. Oh, yeah, you're you're in the hills though. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was a beautiful mountain lion cub, but it's like, yeah, um, I think even my dogs would have had some difficulty with that thing because it was it was pretty good sized. Hmm. So we don't leave our animals yeah, outside. Those here too. Yeah, yeah. that's why it's. So if, what was, what was one of the best pieces of advice, of advice that you ever received from somebody uh, on this path? Um, actually, uh, I studied Buddhism in college and became a teacher's assistant uh, for one of the Buddhism courses and learned a lot psychologically about um, attachment and the nature of change and how reality is all change. Um, so I think a lot of the biggest lessons have been about impermanence and um, those have been the lessons that have stuck out to me the mo most. Um, and as far as witchcraft goes, I think that a lot of people start by being attracted to the power it can bring and then eventually it becomes more internal and 
becomes more about empowerment and self-empowerment and helping empower others. Um, so those have been kind of themes lately that I and that I've been carrying through. Nice. How about you guys? I hmm? think so. My first teacher, she used to say this phrase, and I didn't entirely understand it at first. And it's really simple. Um, and I get what she was, what she intended, but it took me a while to really see how it encompassed from a magical perspective, not just a physical one. But she used to say, where your mind goes, you go. Mm. And on the one hand, I would think, okay, so if I'm, if I'm thinking about a particular place or whatever, you're saying then I'm going to end up traveling there kind of a thing. And, or we likened it to like drunks on the, you know, drunks driving down the road. If they see a, you know, like a flashing light, cause there's a car on the side of the road with flashers on or uh, something like that. Then they start driving towards it because that becomes their focus. And so what I had to do is recognize that it also applies towards how we work with our magic and where your mind goes, good or bad, that's where your magic is going to go as well. So yeah, that was for me. Totally. Totally. Yep, I have an oracle card in my bedroom that says, watch your thoughts. And so I look at that every day, watch your thoughts. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that, that's, that is a good, good thing to keep in mind. Um, so what about your path has resonated the most? What, what makes it feel like it's right for you? Jeez, I thought we were doing the interview. <laughs> <laughs> the tables um, have turned. <laughs> apparently. Uh, I think the thing that brought me the most peace on my path was understanding that I wasn't being judged mm -hmm. necessarily by a force outside of understanding. Mm um i've had some run-ins in my past with some very we'll we'll say misguided uh individuals on their views of their own religion mm -hmm. and that was successful in driving me away um yeah. but i'd always been connected spiritually uh to various elements and to i i, I would say spirits and energy mm -hmm. So being able to finally kind of put things together and learn about deities and spirits and other beings that are like me and not necessarily uh, going to judge me for just because of somebody I love. Mm -hmm. that, was, that was one of the things that brought peace uh, and helped me make my decision on the path that I was going to follow. Great. And sometimes your guides, <laughs> they're blunt about things. They'll just throw you on the path. They're like, okay, it's time. You've looked through wounds long enough yep. and just throw you on the path. And then you're like, wait, how'd I get here? And that's kind of what happened to me a little over a year ago. It was just like, okay, you're going to be doing this now. Yep. We're just going to put everything in order for you. Follow the crumbs. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's how it happens. Synchronicity aligns right. your path for you and it's like, okay, and follow it if you want to. Here's the, here's the open door. Yep. Now, my question for you is if you could go back to when you first started going down this path, if you could give yourself one piece of advice, what would you tell that 16 year old version of yourself? Um, focus less on the social aspect and focus more on the inner work would be the big thing. And to not put so much energy in what other people think about me. Yes. And, and that's, that's, yeah. That I think be, we all need that. Yeah. Yep. Those would be the main things. Okay. And of course, listen to intuition, um, branch out in cultural studies beyond just the West. I would advise myself to mm. have done that a little earlier. Okay. Yeah. And also uh, to not be focused on using so many tools mm. and things. Right. That's another point of advice. That was something that I, I think I remembered um, not long after I found my first teacher where they, they were like, we're going to train you. You're going to be able to do whatever needs to be done. And it's going to be to the point where you are not going to need to use any other tool than yourself. You should be able to be dropped in the middle of the forest or wherever, and you should still be able to do magic. Mm -hmm. You're not going to need the your thame or a cauldron and incense and oils and you know all the stuff and yet we still end up with a whole shop full of stuff <laughs> but it's wonderful i mean those things are great and conducive and um, just tools they're stepping stones to help us get where we need to go yeah it's funny because i'm in the process right now i mentioned doing some um deeply necessary personal healing work um so uh, literally this week I'm in the process of taking stuff down from my bedroom to create kind of a blank slate mm. aside from my vision board and a couple of little things. But so, yeah, sometimes it's good to reevaluate the stuff aspect. Agreed. Although I'm addicted to really fine incense, that's hard. I don't want to separate from my really dank, amazing Indian incense. <laughs> yeah, I'm I, I'm fond of incense too. Nakchampa is one of my favorites. You're Thank, welcome. Yeah, thanks to have, Mistress. You have to get the right brand. <laughs> yeah, no, she introduced me to a really good brand. And then I really, really enjoy Dragon's Blood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of... Um, Hare Krishna temples mm -hmm. <laughs> um, over where where I grew up. And uh, so a couple of my friends used to like going there all the time. So I really got accustomed to certain things, mm -hmm. had to be a certain way and certain smells mm -hmm. that were, you know, appropriate to that um, tradition. And uh, so anyway, so we used to go to all the Indian stuff. And, uh, and when I'm saying Indian, I do mean like India Indian. Uh -huh. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to clarify in case some of our listeners are like, what? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, plus we have little India over in Cerritos. Right. 
Hare Krishnas make the best incense. Most of the smoke shops around this area are actually owned by uh, Indian people. Really? Yeah, the one that you uh, showed me that brand that was really good, that's actually owned by an Indian gentleman, which is why they have the good (laughs) incense. Well, I mean, yeah. Oh, I didn't even really pitch. Okay. I was just like, I'm in a smoke shop. That's not normal. Yeah. They they carry really good incense. So cool. It, it's just on the street, so it makes it easy for me. True. Rather than going to the nearest local store. Yeah. Um, but I personally, I prefer supporting our local stores too. I, I do too. Oh, yeah. um, just occasionally, I run out, and they don't always have the good uh stuff sometimes they have the cheaper stuff i'm like uh. yeah so what are some uh treasured tools that you guys have uh for me it's a lot of my hindu implements my um ghee lamps and um hindu prayer tools and malas the beads um what are some of your guys's favorite tools I have found that I am have been called to a couple different chalices. Like I have some different cups I've used as ceremonial uh, chalices, and not all of them are actually chalice shaped. <laughs> Wait a minute, um, but they're cups. They are cups. Yes. Okay. They just don't have the stem. Is that what you're saying? Right. They don't have the stem. Okay. Um, Took me a minute there. I was like, isn't that just called a plate? <laughs> Well, they they don't have the stem like uh, the one that we got from Mary Meat. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The wooden one has made its way into my uh, rotation of cool. uh, cups to hold water or wine or what have you. Sure. But then uh, I went to an antique shop, and there was a set of three chalices that it just. You found the three of cups? Yeah, I found the three of cups. It's <laughs> a good one. Yeah. And, and it was like, for some reason, it caught my eye. And I was like, this is, this is really cool. Mm. And then on top of it, they were amazingly priced. So I was like, I cannot walk out of here. It was there for you. Yeah, yeah. It, it, something called me to it. And it's, I don't go antiquing very often. So like. Mm-hmm. On top of going to the antique shop next to my favorite sushi place hmm. and just walking in there and finding those three cups. Cool. Yeah. I don't think I have a favorite tool. Hmm. I have a lot of tools. Mm-hmm. Like a lot. I just don't. But of course, everything's packed up right now. I was going to say, it's hard to think because I've. Maybe maybe my skulls. I was gonna say your your crystal skull collection seems to be a massive collection, and I like to mm. utilize um, the different stones, the energy for the different stones for the mm-hmm. different types of workings. Um, mm-hmm. They're all they have all been charged by Max the crystal skull. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. him. Oh, you are. Okay. So I've done ritual with all of them with Max um, <clears throat> in the past. So they've all been kind of charged up by him and uh you know sometimes i get them together and we we do work together like a actual grouping but 
Uh, that's probably that's probably my tool. I didn't really think about that. Hmm. That's the first I've actually heard of Max the Crystal Skull. So. Oh, you were looking that up. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah, I, I had to go look it up and be like... Max is one of the two only uh, authenticated ancient carved crystal skulls in the world. Um, and Shana, Shana Ra, I think, is the other one. Uh, I've heard of Shana Ra. And uh, so anyway, they uh, the British Museum of Art had, I think, um, I don't know if it was with, with the BBC or something like that, but they had done this testing on all of their crystal skulls, Max and uh, Shana Ra, and found that none of their crystal skulls were ancient carved. They were all modern carved. Oh. <laughs> and that Max and Shana Ra were the only two that were authenticated as ancient carved crystal skulls. Great. Yeah. Do you know which culture that comes from? Um, so the original, um, so there's the the mythology behind this, the story with the crystal skulls, I think, originates from Peru, um, mm. where they're supposed to be, you know, the that Indiana Jones movie, mm. uh, the crystal skull one. Mm -hmm. So that actually comes from an actual story. Okay. Where they're all supposed to come together and you know, um, but I think Max was originally, uh, he's currently um, with a lady by the name of uh, Joanne Parks, who lives in Texas, and she was gifted Max from, I think she said a Tibetan monk, and Max had been used in healing ceremonies for generations at their temple, and he had run into her at a hospital, it's the weirdest story. Um, I think she she had a loved one who was not doing well. I think it was like her daughter or something. And uh, so he had gifted her. They had bonded, and Max had told her that had told the monk that he wanted to go with her. And then she didn't know what to do with it, so she put him in a shoebox and shoved him up in a closet, in like mm. the hall closet, and left him there for a long time. But then she kept hearing him talking to her. Mm. And she pulled him out and was like, Skull, is that you talking? And then they started communicating. And he finally said, well, first off, my name isn't Skull, it's Max. And this is what I need you to do. And so she goes around to different areas and people get the opportunity to actually touch or hold this very ancient, very life-sized life large crystal skull. <clears throat> and you can, um, you know, a lot of people like to put their forehead against the back of his skull and hold him there and then spend time meditating with him. And then when you go home that night and you go to sleep, you get a download of all of this incredible information. Beautiful. Um, and then, uh, but there was a point in time when she would come out to Anaheim and a gentleman by the name of Master Ho would host these uh, sort of research things where several people would come together and we would test the energy in Max and how Max would react to different types of stimuli. And he had put on um, one was a song of monks chanting, Buddhist monks chanting, and the energy felt one way, like it, it felt to me very horizontal and it radiated forward and you really got into it. And then he switched it up and changed the song to um, 
nuns, uh, Tibetan nuns chanting. And then the energy shifted and started going vertical. And I, it was the weirdest experience. I really loved it. Um, but it was a completely different feel. And then another time he put on music that came from, I think it was from the, the things that we shot out into space that are going and have left our solar system. The, the uh... Voyager. Mm. So it was the sound as Voyager passed each planet it made a different sound mm -hmm. and there was an album created about the different sounds from the different planets and the music I'm using air quotes, the music that that created. And so he put that on and you could feel the energy shifting every time you, we would pass another planet on this CD. It was just amazing. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. If, if you're ever able to experience Max, the skull max the crystal skull that's his name look him up he's got a facebook page mm -hmm. i i genuinely uh recommend it it's an experience i really resonated with that and that kind of got me started and now i have like 80 some mod crystal skulls all packed mm. away right now yeah everything's packed away but yeah awesome <clears throat> well, well well thanks for chatting guys that was thank, fun thank you so much for um spending some time with us mm -hmm. it's really good to talk to you i haven't seen you in several years now i know and unfortunately this is the last PantheaCon. Mm -hmm. yep so we're probably not gonna get yeah, to see you yeah what's up with that oh well um can you can you fill me in i can Once? actually uh yeah. glenn who is the uh organizer she owns uh the store ancient ways which is the store that basically Great holds down the the entire convention she is retiring so she is selling her retail store and this is the final year that she's going to do the convention because she's just she's ready to retire she wants to spend time with her grandkids and and just live a you know she's older she wants to live a more easy life mm -hmm. um and instead of at least i don't know that anybody's going to pick up the reins and try to run with it under a different name um, I think it was decided to allow members of the community to grow from the um, from the absence of the convention and create their own visions of what they want to do. And so, as I understand it, several other groups of people have plans to create different events to replace it. One of which I understand is a Pagans of Color event conference, mm -hmm. and another one I can't remember the name. It was like Through the Veil. I think was the name of it. Another group of people were putting together something. I don't know where they are in their stages, but I like the idea of, um, you know, new possibilities for new gatherings. I think that it will be because mm -hmm. they can learn from the mistakes mm -hmm. and learn from the things that worked well, I hope, uh, mm -hmm. for the convention. Great. So we'll see how that goes, but I mean, I'm a little sad because it was sort of like my magical family reunion every year. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but we're already and, planning to go. We're yep. going to interview people there while we're there. We've already got people telling us uh, to be plan or to plan to interview them. So, like uh, Amber and Azriel K. Yeah. Oh great. Yep. 
And Tyler, I would encourage you and your partner to try to check out Between the Worlds in Ohio, the queer yeah. men's pagan yes. dugout. It, it really um, provides a, an, an incredible brotherhood and something mm. that I desperately needed. Um, and I went for the first time last year. I'll definitely put that on the list. Gonna plan plan in every year. Yeah. So is it like a camp out uh, specifically, or yeah, it's like it's more like a glamp out, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> because there's showers and there's water and okay. um, and good. catered food, really good food. Um, nice. But yeah, you just camp and <clears throat> um, lots of rituals and events and. Um, I was the DJ last year for the big Dionysian party, which was such an honor. Very cool. Yeah. Do you think you're amazing folks there? Mm -hmm. Think your partner would go for that? Possibly. Um, it would probably have to be something. Well, next year. Go ahead. Next year, the patron deity. I'm forgetting his or their name. It's a fox spirit. Okay. Of ancient Japan. So it's a Shinto. Oh, okay. So there will be rights. Then you have to go. Spirit. It, assuming that I we know. can get everything lined up, it, that that sounds very cool. Um, yeah. Is it a gay men only event? <clears throat> um, gay by queer trans. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. Neat. I will definitely <laughs> discuss with him about that. I'll poke at him too. Yeah. Well, there's that and. Yeah, um, making it work with uh, family time out there because I'm actually from the Midwest. So uh, anytime I get anywhere near, it's like I get these uh, messages from family. You don't have to know. You don't have to tell them. Just this, go and enjoy. This is true. This is true. Although I, I get the weekly phone call. Yeah, but yep, you're going to be camping and yeah. the phone will be off. Just go <laughs> and enjoy. Jeez. True, dude. true. You're not that obligated to report everything you do all the time. No. But anyway, uh, Raven, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, speak with us today. Yeah, it's been fun. Thanks for having me on. And uh, <clears throat> if listeners want to learn more about me, they can just go to ravendigitalis.com or look me up on the Facebooks. Excellent. Excellent. Well, once again, thank you. But Thank you so much. And I yeah. uh, I look forward to seeing your updates once you move out to Koi. It looks like it's going to be, it sounds like it's going to be a really good time. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, feel feels right. Wonderful. All right. Well, have a great night, guys. Blessed be. Blessed be. Blessed be. Take care. Thanks again. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider donating on our website at ravensatthecrossroads.com. You can also catch future episodes directly from the website or find us on iTunes Music, Google Play Music, or Spotify. Follow us on social media, Ravens at the Crossroads on Facebook and Instagram, and at Ravens Crossroad on Twitter.